United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, another big show for you today. We kick off with Corbin Bone, who is still playing for Louisville City FC, his first year with the club as he's reunited with John Hackworth, the longtime youth coach for U.S. soccer, who's doing a great job at Louisville City FC. It seems like they're always either winning or vying to win a USL championship. They always are playing in front of a great crowd. They got a great new stadium. Of course, not that many fans can get in there, but they will have some fans on Saturday when they face Tampa Bay at the Eastern Conference Finals for a shot at another USL Championship Final. Corbin Bone, he played for Solar. He gives credit to Kevin Smith, his coach. Then he played for Jay Vitovich. He played for Frank Klopas. He played for John Hackworth at Philadelphia. He played for Carson Porter at Wilmington. Now John Hackworth again and several other great coaches in there. John Harks, Alan Koch. I mean, it was great to get his take right here on United Soccer Coaches Podcast on playing for so many great coaches, so many great people in the game of soccer. Corbin Bone will kick it off as we also give USL Championship love as they head down with their final four teams. After him, Bobby Puppioni, who I was thrilled to have on. He is the Girls Academy Director for TSJ FC Virginia, and he came up with an incredible virtual showcase for girls that want to be recognized by college coaches. He's got a clear message about communication and helping these students get noticed for colleges. That's really for girls and boys. Bobby Puppioni is up second. Can you believe we're rolling again with a new 30 under 30 class? I am so pumped with guest number one of this year's class, Alexandria Jackson. She is at Blinn College, which is in Texas, where Cam Newton actually spent a little time. She's the men's assistant and women's assistant. She coached at the NAI level in Iowa. She played at Northwestern State. She played professionally in Canada and Germany, and she is as cool as can be. Her dad was a football coach, so that kind of helped spear that coaching bug. Alexandria Jackson, guest number one of 30 of this brand new class. And then we finish with a United Soccer Coaches Honor Award winner, Janet Rayfield, the first woman to be named a United Soccer Coaches Honor Award winner, longtime coach at Illinois, who, by the way, was the first recruit for Anson Dorrance at UNC, and she is a legend indeed. It's Big Ten and Ten, Illinois women's soccer. Check it out. Janet Rayfield, Vanessa DiBernardo. Of course, her dad was a star for Jerry Yagley, the godfather at Indiana. And also joining me, Jackie Santa Caterina Manny, who was an all-Big Ten midfielder who played for Janet Rayfield. She is my regular partner for Big Ten Network games. So three Illinois superstars, Janet Rayfield, Vanessa DiBernardo, and Jackie Manny. What a show. And it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? 
If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. The USL is down to four, and as always, Louisville City. Are you kidding me? They're always there. They're getting it done under John Hackworth. And one of their new players, Corbin Bone. And I love players like Corbin Bone because my broadcast partner is Austin Deleuze. He played with Corbin Bone. I told Austin he needs to keep playing. Corbin, you're still playing. You're still getting it done. I always believe from where I sit because I couldn't play, that as long as you can play, you should keep on going, right? <laughs> I agree. I agree. That's what I'm trying to do. Luckily, I haven't had any injuries or anything like that. So as long as I'm able and, and can keep up with the with the level of play, I'll uh, I'll be out there hopefully. Well, congratulations on your success in your first season at Louisville. We'll get to your amazing career if you have been a lot of great places, done a lot of great things, including winning a national championship at Wake Forest with the aforementioned Austin Deleuze. But at Louisville, you guys kind of got off to a rough start, but Coach Hackworth settled everything down, and you're right back where you always are, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was an interesting start, um, you know, to an interesting year, really. And uh, it was a kind of a, a, a weird place to be starting because I knew how, how great the team could be and how, and how great we were. Um, we just kind of had some tough results, and um, it didn't go our way in the beginning. You know, we couldn't really find the back of the net. Uh, but we really have the same principles that we do now, and, and I think we are in a, in a better rhythm and, and have some great momentum right now. But I think as far as, as our, our plan and our style of play, I don't think that's changed throughout the year. I think maybe we've, uh, we've established a little bit more chemistry, some, some confidence and those kind of things. But, yeah, I think throughout we've just kind of believed in our plan and our style of play. And, 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 and Hacks, John Hackworth, our coach, really, he tries to implement those things day in and day out, and we stuck with it. And, uh, yeah, it's paying off now for sure. We're on a good run. So, Corbin, let's get to know you a little bit better because your path is so amazing and so many great things, as we said, that national championship at Wake Forest. But you're originally from Plano, Texas. And is there one coach that really pushed you forward to get you ready for Wake Forest, to get you ready for that next level, because remember, Corbin, this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, Kevin Smith, he was the coach for my club, Solar Soccer Club. He was the guy that really made made me into the player that I am today. Um, just an incredible coach, an incredible person uh, to have as a youth player um, in your corner and pushing you. Uh, really, that team that we had was a really, really special team and, and a group that, that I'll always remember being a part of you know in in the youth stages we made it to the to the national championships and won state cup and won regionals and those kind of things and it was because of him i mean the guy really he knew what he was doing and he demanded so much from a group of young guys and uh we bought in and and that was just so many fun years to be with a group like that under kevin smith because he he just knew it seemed like he knew how hard to push you. He, he knew that you had more to give, even if you didn't. And, um, yeah, I can't say uh, enough about how instrumental Kevin Smith was in my in my youth because he taught me all the intangibles that I still now to this day 
use and, and, and tried to craft and all the little small things that he taught us, um, whether it was through technique or your passion for the game, it was all there. So without him, I, I would not have gone on to Wake Forest or, or gone on to be a professional. Um, so, yeah, it, if it started anywhere, it was definitely with, with Kevin and, and Solar. Great job. I love that you gave a shout-out to Kevin. What do you remember about the recruiting process? Why did you pick Jay Vidovich and Wake Forest, and who was number two? I love asking that question. If you were not going to be at Wake Forest, where were you going to go? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Well, I started out, you know, get, started getting recruited. Luckily, our team was pretty, pretty, pretty well known. So um, I think college coaches would come out and, and watch our team during the State Cup and regionals and those kind of things. Really started getting recruited my junior year of high school, maybe the year prior as well. But you know, they would come out and uh, and talk to you and things like that. And, and eventually, you know, you, you decide to go on visits to the campuses and whatnot. And uh, it's actually a funny story. I, I got recruited by a good amount of schools on the East Coast, and at the time, you know, the ACC still is, is is one of the best conferences to play college soccer. So I was actually coming back from a trip from overseas from Portugal, and my dad drove up from Texas to Newark, New Jersey, picked me up at Newark Airport, and we actually drove down the East Coast to stop at some schools. We stopped at uh, Virginia, and then, uh, you know, Duke, uh, Chapel Hill, and then, of course, Wake Forest. Really, the moment I stepped on campus at Wake Forest, I knew that I wanted to go there. The players, the coaches, the welcome there was incredible, and it was really my, my, kind, of, my kind of school. It was a bit more, you know, intimate smaller group, very um, intentional and meaningful in my visit, and I could tell that I was really, you know, wanted there and and that they were going to try and help me along in my career, not only, you know, on a soccer field, but also, you know, in in my personal life and and become, you know, a a better person. So, uh, and I I valued that a lot. And so, after meeting with Jay and and Bobby and Carson and those guys, and, and then a few uh, Wake Forest legends, really. You know, I was greeted by Marcus Tracy, Sam Cronin, Pat Phelan, Julian Valentin, Jamie Frank, you know, all these guys that, that were basically, you know, all Americans, and I was blown away. And, and so I was convinced as soon as I stepped on foot and met all those people and, and saw what they had at Wake Forest um, that that's where I wanted to go. The number two was tough. I, pro- I would probably say Virginia. I, I, I like that campus, and um, I like George, the head coach. And, and, and But, uh, yeah, Wake Forest was – was a, was a front runner for sure. Those are two pretty good schools, and obviously you picked the right choices. You won the national championship in your first year. Before we get to that, Jay Vidovich is such an interesting guy. He's had such great success. And, like, at the poker table, I would have to say he's a tough read, right, because he holds it close to his chest. But the players love him. Just in a sentence or two, what makes Jay Vidovich such a great coach? Oh, to put it in a sentence is tough. Um, he's just an incredible guy. I, uh, his mind, the way he can read people, um, I, I think he has he has a gift as a coach for sure. Um, not only with the soccer part, uh, you know, because he plays the game a certain way, and uh, it's 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 very distinct and um, particular in detail, and uh, but also off the field, the way he manages players and his relationship with the team. Um, I think is, is crucial. And so uh, when I got there, you know, growing up, the passion and, and the ability uh, to, to be a better soccer player was there. But once I got to Wake Forest, it was ramped up because um, his his attention to detail was like something that I've never seen. And, and that made the difference um, 
in our team and, and, and my personal game as well. And, uh, you know, he paid attention so much to everything that he he's almost like he knew what was going to happen before it happened. And um, I think his commitment to that, his passion for Wake Forest at the time and, and, and uh, the game of soccer was just uh, unparalleled. It was incredible. And so um, to be a part of that was amazing to, to see and then really experience. Great breakdown of Jay Vidovich. If you listen to my program at all, I always try to find a way to make it about myself in some way because how else am I going to be able to make it about myself, Corbin? So I'm going to do that. In 2007, so I grew up in Ohio, and I grew up going to Buckeye games. In 2007, the Big Ten Network launched, and they called me in August and said, hey, we want you to call soccer. And I called the first ever game on the Big Ten Network. It was West Virginia and Ohio State and John Bloom. And then Ohio State beat Indiana in the Big Ten Tournament Championship. And I called that game and then followed them all the way to the NCAA Championship about 10 miles from my house where they played Wake Forest and they had Roger Espinoza and Eric Bruner and a nice little team. And they weren't an easy out, right? What do you remember about beating the Buckeyes at Wake Fed Soccer Park 2-1? to one? Yeah, it was just a great game, honestly. Um, I mean, what I remember is, is, you know, coming back and the goals we scored, just that feeling is, is incredible. And it was my first experience. You know, they, they had gone to it prior to the final four and um with being in a in a situation like that and, and winning of course was just amazing the pressure of it and uh the excitement the way we won i think was amazing and just small details about julian getting kicked in the face it was just an incredible game and uh I, when i see pictures of it now I, it just takes me back you know there's pictures of after marcus tracy scores the goal and he's running down the sidelines with his, with his arms wide open like that it, it, it's amazing it'll take you right back and you can uh it's a visceral feeling for sure and um it's one of those games that you want to play in and, and one that you hope you win as well and thankfully we won it and uh you know as a freshman doing that it's hard to top that it's hard to top that feeling and uh the achievement of our of our ultimate goal and those kind of things so it, it was an amazing way to start my college career, and I was a bit spoiled because that team was amazing with an incredible, you know, coach and, and a group of players uh, that were so close. So that that was just an amazing, amazing feeling. Yeah, big time team, and it's kind of neat now to be connected to Austin to lose. And I know he was pumped to see you continue to get it done for Louisville because it's the United Soccer Coaches podcast. You've had so many coaches. I want to run through the rest of them. You get drafted, you go to Chicago Fire, and you're coached by the famous El Salvador International, and then you're coached by Frank Clopas. And I know Frank Clopas because I was the best officer for the 94 team, so i got to believe those two are entirely different because Frank Clopas, there's no one like him, let alone the amazing coach that you started with. Break down those two coaches real quick. Our first coach, uh, Carlos de los Cobos, I think his, his mind was incredible, and he was a great soccer coach. For me, it was interesting because of the language barrier. You know, he didn't really speak a ton of English, so he had a translator. And uh, I think some of that gets lost in translation. But, but one thing that didn't was obviously his passion for the game and his passion for winning. Moving from college into a professional environment, it is a different type of uh, environment. And so that was my first experience. So it was a bit strange, to be honest, to, to go from a coach like Jay, who you can communicate with so freely and so um, you know intricately. He's very cerebral, and, and you can go through things like that with him. To now go to a coach that you can't really do that with because of the language barrier uh, was a change. But you could definitely, um, you know, get what you needed from Carlos through his his passion and the way, you know, you could through nonverbal signals and the way he wanted to play and that kind of thing. So 
that was an interesting shift in coaching and two great minds of the game, but two different ways to kind of understand it, which which was interesting. And then, um, you know, moving to, to Frank Klopas, another guy that's extremely passionate about the game and is obviously one of the great, you know, American soccer players and uh, cares so much and, and knows the league and, and knows the club that he that he's coaching, you know, so much and, and loves it so much. So that was you know, you almost had a little bit more pride playing for him for that club because you knew that he cared so much about, about that club and still does, obviously. That was fun to be a part of, you know, under his reign because you knew that every time you put on the jersey, it was it was very, very important to everyone involved. And so, uh, you know, along the way, obviously, you know, starting in the youth and then going to Wake Forest and having those two coaches, you learn how to play in the game in different ways and you learn different details about you know, soccer in general, about the professionalism of it and, and how you approach each game and, and small things that you can learn from each manager. And uh, I think that's part of it. And when you look at it from that perspective, you gain knowledge as you as you go through different coaches because, you know, you're always going to have different coaches. And as long as you can, you can see it from that angle, I think you can progress and use things that those coaches have taught you because they all have something to teach you. And if you believe that, then, then I think that helps you. Well, your next coach after that is uh, part of an expansion draft trade situation. You go to Philadelphia and John Hackworth, who you're now with at Louisville, which I think says a lot about the kind of character that Corbin Bone has. That is, coaches respect you because to play for him that long ago and then now come full circle back with him, what was he like then at Philadelphia and what's he like now as your coach? Yeah, it was great. You know, I was I was very, very thankful um, for Hack's belief in me at the time when, when he selected me in the reentry draft and I was really excited about, you know, a, a resurgence of my career and uh, you know, going in I, I knew that, you know, we shared the Wake Forest connection and, and shared a lot of the same ideals. Um and so going there I was extremely excited. And uh yeah, I was met uh, with another great group of players and, and coaching staff and, and one that was, again, very cerebral and, and, and particular in detail and, and knew what he wanted. The funny story, and, and he had gave me, um, you know, he gave me a shout-out this year because of this, but I didn't start out giving a lot of playing time, but I kind of was doing well in practice, uh, and he saw that, and, and, and so it was much appreciated in the fact that, you know, some coaches, if you're doing well in training, that doesn't always translate to, to playing time in the game. But at this moment, you know, I was I was playing well in training, and uh, so we we go to Kansas City, and I come off the bench, and maybe uh, I think it was probably the 70th minute, and this was my first appearance of the year after a good week of training, and I was on the field for maybe 60 seconds, and I got a straight red card, and so in that moment, I was pretty upset because I felt like I let down Hack after he had given me this opportunity because. Um, you know, he believed and I believed that I had earned it. And so he put me in the game and then that happened. So that was a pretty big low in, in, in my career and, and me wanting to help a coach that I believed in and, and, and uh, you know, wanted to prove uh, and reciprocate the belief. And so that, that was a tough moment for me. But, uh, you know, he's always been believed in me and, 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 and taught me things about the game and about myself. And I think we had a great relationship. And then obviously, you know, years later, he becomes the coach of Louisville, and, and, and I get an opportunity to join him there again. And, and once again, I, I appreciate the the belief and need for uh, from you know me as a player to go there and try and help a team that's already really established himself in the USL. So just a great relationship overall, and, and that's kind of what soccer in general is about: is, is building those relationships along the way um, with players and coaches. 
and then, um, you know, reciprocating that belief in each other and, and rewarding each other. Tell us how long you were at Philadelphia before you found yourself the Wilmington Hammerheads. Remind us what level that was, and I think Carson Porter was part of that Wake Forest Mafia that we already talked about, if I'm correct, right? So you had that connection, right, with him? He was at Wake Forest, yeah. too, right? You were there? Yeah, he was. Yeah, a, a good friend and a great coach of mine for sure. So, you know, after the year with Philadelphia in 2014, I get a call from Carson about joining his, his new team down in – or his, his new coaching venture, uh, which is the Wilmington Hammerheads. And um, at that point in my career, it was kind of – it was a tough moment for me because I didn't know really where to go from there. You know, I had gotten released by the union. Knew that I had more to give in soccer, but I wasn't sure, you know, where that was going to be or, or if I was 100% convinced that I want to continue to play. So uh, when I got the opportunity, you know, it was, it was a chance for me to kind of go – to try and enjoy soccer again in a place that's obviously a beautiful town in, in, in Wilmington, North Carolina, um, back to a state where I'd, I had had success with soccer previously. So, yeah, and, and going back to building those relationships, Carson, Carson was the you know, assistant at Wake Forest when I had a ton of success, and, and he believed in me and, and, and I think you know really liked me as a player. So he reached out and, and gave me that opportunity, and, and I took it. You know, that that was an interesting year playing there. I, I was injured quite a bit, actually, and we didn't have the best season. But I still enjoyed, you know, being around Carson and, and, and being on that team and, and being back in North Carolina and in a city like Wilmington with some old friends. You know, I played with Ross Tomaselli, who went to Wake Forest. I played with Cody Arno, who went to Wake Forest. So, um, you know, more relationships that I had built. Of course, that leads uh, into the next thing, you know, going there, at the end of that season, I get a call from another previous Wake Forest assistant, Ryan Martin, about a uh, a new opportunity uh, with an expansion team in FC Cincinnati. Well, and, yeah, that's amazing because there's another guy. You mentioned Frank Klopas. So, John Harts, I was with him from the late 80s right through the 94 World Cup. He's one of the legends of the game, an icon, massive personality. Cincinnati drawing big crowds and Clearly, there was a dust up there with management. I don't know how much you can get into that, but he's rolling along, and then out he goes. In comes Alan Koch, who had success. You were there four years during that time. The fans were amazing, and you had two very different coaches in John and Alan. Talk about all of that and as much as you can even about the dust up. Getting the call from Ryan Martin about a new venture up in Cincinnati and taking that chance, you know, having having John Harks as a head coach was, was a big reason why I did that. You know, obviously he's a well-known figure in American soccer, and um, I hadn't known much about him, you know, at that point. But to go up there, I really, really enjoyed playing for him. Um, and, and, and I enjoyed my time with him off the field as well. You know, I think he's a, he's a great guy. Like you said, a, a big personality, uh, very passionate, uh, very charismatic. I think at that point in my career, I, I was still looking for a little bit of a resurgence and, and a place for me to call home and, and to be uh, the soccer player that I knew I could be. And John helped me find that, for sure. You know, going to Cincinnati and, and it being a startup club, I think he helped a lot of players in that same scenario find themselves and kind of play freely and, and become successful again. You know, guys – that I played with previously and played with, with against a lot, you know, Kenny Walker, Austin Berry, Andrew Wiedemann, Jim McLaughlin, Antoine Hopin, all, all these guys that, that have kind of come from MLS clubs and gone different ways and now find their way to Cincinnati, you know, under John. And I think 
a lot of those guys flourished because of the way that he was able to to manage and coach that team and, and to instill confidence and a free-flowing type of play where you can get into a great rhythm and, and really just enjoy the game. I had so much fun being on the field with John as the head coach, and uh, yeah, I can't say enough about how he helped me find confidence in my soccer ability again, for sure. And so, you know, when he when he was let go, I, I think it was a tough moment for all of us because I think we had done pretty well the first year. You know, we were in third, made the playoffs, had a great year as far as enjoying soccer again. And uh, you know, coaches get fired though, and and it's a, it is a business and. It happens everywhere, and it will continue to happen. And, and, and unfortunately, I think some relationships just didn't work out. They had to move on and, and, and found Allen. And so as a player, you just kind of have to roll with it. You know, that's that's part of the game. That's part of the business. And and it happens you know, to coaches and players everywhere. So once Allen takes over, it is a bit of a change. You know, as free-flowing and rhythmic, sort of, that how John was, Allen was a bit more intricate and um, a little bit more tactical. Allen was a bit more about winning uh, overall instead of playing beautiful soccer or, um, you know, he, he had a specific way uh, that he wanted to play and, and, and wanted to win. And so it was definitely a change in style, but I thought they both – did well as coaches for FC Cincinnati, and, and and for me, they they both helped me uncover things about my game that I needed to to go forward and continue my career. You know, both those guys during my my stint at FC Cincinnati were incredible, and and I appreciate both of them very much, and I'm still in contact with them, and and will continue to thank them for for everything they've given me. That is so well said, and I tell you what, talk about giving. How about the fans at FC Cincinnati? And now the fans at Louisville, or even in the pandemic, I suspect, will see fans on Saturday night when you play Tampa Bay. Quick comment on the fans in Cincy and Louisville. Pretty amazing soccer fans, Corbin. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I've, I've really been blessed these last years with, with the fan support. I mean, you know, FC Cincinnati is absolutely insane how, how many fans in such a short time span kind of caught on to that and, and supported it and believed in it. It was amazing. To this day, really, the the, the best crowd, um, you know, 35,000 people, uh, when, you know, when, when it came down to it, when big games were on, they came out and supported. And uh, just that city in general is just a really, really fun place to play soccer. They come out and support in the stadium, but not only in the stadium, you know, in the, in the streets. You're walking down the street and you'll get recognized or you'll see people wearing the gear all over. So yeah, the fan base throughout Cincinnati is it's amazing, and 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 uh, I'm 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 so thankful that I got to experience that because it made me feel special, and uh, you know throughout that time my goal was to try and reciprocate that back to them, but but it was tough because it's so large, and and they do such a good job, you know, within the community to 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 feel like that city is a soccer city, and it is. So yeah, I can't say enough about about their fan support, and and they continue to show it now as as they're in you know MLS and. I don't think it'll stop with the new stadium coming, and they'll continue to grow and grow. And you know, they have uh, an incredible, incredible fan base. And, and similarly, I mean, Louisville City. You know, we've, we've played against them when I was with Cincinnati, and they always had incredible fans come out and support. And you know, the numbers may have not been the same, but but the, the noise and the and the support and the commitment to to supporting their team was on par. You know, it's 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 incredible. And so now, you know, we're in this amazing new stadium, Wynn Family Stadium that they did such a great job building and 
unfortunately, with the circumstances, you know, we can't fill it out the way it would be uh, if COVID wasn't a thing and, and, you know, we're being safe and that's great. But looking forward, I know that when they can, they'll fill that stadium and it'll it'll sound like 35,000 people are in there. And, you know, because right now we, we, we get maybe four that were allowed and it sounds like it's filled because of the noise and because of the commitment and the passion of the fans. So I can only imagine when there's, when it's max capacity and it's at 14, 15 and uh, it's, you know, the roof is just, it's, it's going to be so, so loud and, and I can't wait to experience that. Well, I look forward to watching you on Saturday. We've got to end with this. We started with the notion that you won that natty as a freshman at Wake Forest. And I said, that, you know, I still give Austin to lose a hard time that he should keep on playing. Let's say you win the championship, because that's what Louisville normally does anyway. Um, <laughs> do you keep on going, Corbin? Do you want to keep on playing? What's your plan? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I uh, you know, it's been an amazing journey. And I, I, it's, it's, there's been ups and downs, and I thought that I was going to quit a few times and try and move on and do something else. But I can't leave the game. It's been my life for so long, and, and I love it so much. And, and, and as long as, you know, thankfully I can stay healthy and I can keep up with the level of play, then, then I'm going to keep playing. Um, you know, there's there's moments in this game that, that really that you understand why you love it so much, and, and I've had so many this year already, and, and so I'm looking for more. And so as long as my legs can keep running, I think I'm going to keep playing. And, uh, you know, with Louisville City, it's it's just been an amazing year so far, and it's invigorated me and, and kind of it kept, it's kept me going. So, um, you know, a testament to that and, and being a part of this club that's been, you know, one of the best, if not the best, in the USL for so long now. I'm so thankful to be here. And, uh, yeah, I, I want to keep going. They, they make me want to give more. So, I, um, I'm happy to still be healthy and playing, for sure. You know, that's the answer I wanted to hear. I love to hear players that want to keep on going. As I say, I got the best seat in the house. And the way you play, Corbin, I really enjoy watching it. And I know your good friend Austin Deleuze does as well. And that was well said about USL. I love the league. Good luck on Saturday against Tampa Bay. One more win, and you're in another final. Corbin Bone, thanks for sharing so many stories about all of your coaches as this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Good luck on Saturday, my man. Thank you very much. Thanks for the time. Corbin Bone will represent Louisville as they take on Tampa Bay on Saturday in the Eastern Conference Finals of USL Championship. Coming up, Bobby Puppioni, the Girls Academy Director for TSJ FC Virginia. He is trying to make sure that players that want to make it to college can get recognized, doing some virtual showcases and the like. They're back out on the field now, so that's all good. But I like where this guy's heart is. Bobby Puppioni, Girls Academy Director, TSJ FC Virginia, with us next. Registration for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention is now open. Even though we won't be together in person, the interactive digital event taking place January 11th through 15th, 2021 will still bring the soccer coaching community together for a week of fantastic presenters, diplomas, network opportunities, and more. To register, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. The game hasn't changed, just the game plan. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I want to thank Corbin Bone for breaking down his game coming up against Tampa and all the great coaches that he has played under. Jay Vitovich at Wake Forest and now John Hackworth at Louisville and a lot of good ones in between. And he gave a lot of credit to Kevin Smith who got him ready for the next step 
to go to Wake Forest. That means youth coaches are important. That's why we're pleased to now go to Bobby Puppioni, who's the Girls Academy Director for the St. James FC Virginia, who's got some good takes on college recruiting right now and how the kids are dealing with COVID. Bobby Puppioni, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate you having me on. First off, Puppioni, that's one of the great names out there. What is that? What ethnicity is that? Yeah, it's uh, Italian descent. Uh, our family are big Juventus supporters. So that's <laughs> where uh, our family is from, just outside of Torino. So huge Juventus supporters. Um, loving what we're doing in the Serie A uh, usually each year, but uh, we need to still lift that European Cup for sure. Well, and Bobby, I know you're loving what you're doing as well at TSJ FC Virginia, and I know you care about the kids. And this pandemic has been awful on so many fronts, but including college recruiting, missing windows, and that type of thing. You've got the floor, my man. How do we make sure that these kids get noticed, they can get to college, and what are some of the things maybe you're doing at your club? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely been difficult and anything but normal for, for the players and something that no one has experienced. And we were speaking to our players and they've never gone six months without playing soccer before. And fortunately in our part of the, uh, of the country, we're able to get back out and be playing and, and other areas aren't. And I think one of the biggest things that people can keep in mind is, is communication is massive right now during this time, because, you know, players may not be able to be seen in person or send newer game footage to, to college coaches, but the communication hasn't stopped. And the ability to communicate with college coaches, whether you're allowed to have two-way conversation with some of them yet, or just you reaching out and sharing updates on what you're doing right now during this pandemic is massive. This is where having a great support system in the club with college recruiting coordinators or directors is, is extremely important. But really the players need to take ownership of the communication and communicating with college coaches and programs and, and just keeping them in the loop about what they're doing. And obviously it's different depending on where you are, but the communication I think is the biggest, most important thing that can be done for players going through college recruiting during this COVID time. What do you remember about just the consoling part of last year when it really hit, when none of us knew what to do and that window where, hey, how do I get noticed? There's no showcase tournaments, none of that. What do you remember about just kind of a strange way, wrapping your arms around people when you couldn't really wrap your arms around people to try to help them out. Yeah, for sure. I think the first thing is letting them know that they're not in this alone. Sometimes, you know, kids and, and, and the parents, you know, have a, have a tough time and thinking, I'm not sure what to do. I don't know what to do. And letting them know as, as a club coach and director and someone involved in the college recruiting process is that you have a support system here in your club and you have people that are going to help get you through this and I think letting them know that it's okay to be upset about this, disappointed, um, it's unfortunate, but it's something that everyone in the country is having to deal with back in March, April, May. And it was something that was new to everyone. And, and how can we tackle this together? We're a team on the field and we have to be a team off the field and how we deal with this. And I think coming up with a plan that you can go with with your, with your teams and clubs and your players is extremely important. And one of the things that we did at St. James FC Virginia is we created what we call it a virtual college showcase. You couldn't be there in person, but can we create a virtual college showcase where we use game video that we had on file from the, our most recent winter showcase and from our early games in 2020. And we put those in a Google drive and we had players clip highlights and, and create their own highlight videos. So instead of an in-person college showcase, we had a COVID friendly, plenty safe virtual showcase. And we sent that out to college coaches and we had a very good response from college coaches about that. And 
some friends from across the country adopted that type of virtual showcase platform where players could then showcase to, to their prospective college coaches about some recent matches at what they were doing. And it started to take off from there. That's a fantastic idea. If somebody wanted to check in on that even now, what website would they go to, Bobby? Where would they find that virtual college showcase? Yeah, so the, the college coaches, you know, were all received a Google Drive link that set up the, the college showcase with videos, brochures, information about our club, contact information, as well as highlight videos and links. And, and then anybody else from that's not a college coach, you know, with clubs, feel free to reach out to me. Been a longtime member of United Soccer Coaches and and want to help out the, the, the community across the country during this time because I think we all got to support and lean on each other and, and put away anything about rivalries and competitiveness and just say, how can we help support the, the players, which should be always first and foremost, and how can we support them during this time? And I'd be happy to share some ideas of how they can improve their club during this college recruiting time. That's awesome. You're the Girls Academy Director, TSJ FC Virginia. And one thing we can say about the current climate or landscape of soccer in this country is women's college soccer continues to be a great platform for the next level and for the U.S. national team. Short of a couple exceptions, they're all going to college. They're staying almost all four years as well before they're moving to the next level. Whereas men's college soccer, which you know I'm also heavily involved in, continues to teeter a little bit. Hopefully they can take advantage of this COVID thing. But going back to where you sit, it's even more important that you step up with great ideas because college soccer is so important to these young women. We have a lot of players that have dreams and aspirations of playing college soccer and then going on to play professional and international soccer. And, and, and we're fortunate, obviously, to have been able to produce a lot of players that have gone on to play college soccer. And, and it's fun right now seeing some of our players like uh, Olivia Migley scoring goals and getting assists at Duke University and Victoria Haugen, who's a Norwegian international that plays for us, is at Tech playing 90 minutes. And, you know, you get these girls that are playing college soccer, but they have also the dreams of playing professional and have represented, you know, our country and, and internationally on that stage as well. So college soccer is, is a great um, thing for these players. And we don't want to just say, let's stop at college soccer, but how can we help, you know, inspire and, and motivate them and, and provide them a platform where they can go to college soccer and then obviously have an opportunity to play beyond that, whether it be domestically in the NWSL or in Europe and, or in another league as well. So it's great to see, you know, our, our alumni playing college soccer. And it's also fun to see, you know, the matchups you get when, you know, an Emily Fox from UNC is playing an Olivia Migley from Duke or, you know, when our girls at Wake play the girls at Tech or UVA. So, you know, it, it's fun because ACC is playing soccer right now. So we're getting, getting to see a lot of our alumni match up with each other. And, uh, you know, we share some funny text message uh, strings ahead of the game and saying, all right, whoever wins, loses, you know, is going to buy ice cream next time they're in town or something. So it's nice to see them be able to play college soccer. And, and obviously it's a tough time right now with, with COVID, but we still have to do what we can to help support these sophomores, juniors, seniors that are going through the college recruiting process and wanting to, to go and play at the next level, whether it be division one, two, three, NAIA junior college, we have to help them and support them during this time even more so because this is uncharted territory and 
And we really want to allow our players to have every opportunity. So we want to work with them in any way possible to give them the platform to continue to play this, this wonderful game. Bobby Puppioni, Girls Academy Director, TSJ FC Virginia, wanted to reach out and make sure that these young women know that there's opportunities out there, even as we deal with this pandemic. I actually called that Virginia Tech Duke game, and both those players are outstanding. They have bright futures. As we end, Bobby, what is your message to every single female soccer player out there, for that matter, men's soccer player? What's your message to them about hanging in there and, and knowing they can still get noticed and still live their dream? Yeah, it's important to note that everyone is going through this in some way. And it's really how you step up and take ownership and, and be in the driver's seat of what you can do. If you're playing games right now and you're fortunate to do that, get video of that, share clips, find a way to get that video out to colleges if they can't come watch you play in person. If you're not able to play games yet, film what you're doing individually, training on your own, share that, show that initiative and, and communicate. And I think it goes back to my first point, Dean, about communication is massive and how you can share what you're doing and let the colleges that you're interested in and that may be looking at you, that you're still working to get better every day. No matter what college coaches and any coach wants to see players and wants to coach players that have a passion for the game and that want to get better every day. And you can show that in any way that you're capable of doing right now during COVID, you can share that with those college coaches. So take the initiative, step up and communicate with those colleges and let them know what you're doing. Bobby, thank you for taking the initiative. Really a pleasure. Great interview. Great take. Let's rack it. Well done. Bobby Puppioni, Girls Academy Director, TSJ FC Virginia. Great message, Bobby. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Good stuff from Bobby Puppioni. Can you believe there's another 30 under 30 class? Remember, we already heard from all 15 men and women that were recognized at the last convention we get started with the first of 30 coming up next. Alex Zandria Jackson, who is the men's assistant and the women's assistant. She is a woman of color and she is cool as can be. She's at Blinn College, which by the way, that's where Cam Newton spent a little bit of time before leading Auburn and going on to the NFL. Alexandria Jackson, number one of 30 new 30 under 30 members after this message. High school coaches are presented unique challenges both on and off the field of play. The United Soccer Coaches High School Diploma, now delivered in an all online format, supplies coaches with the knowledge needed to perform the distinctive role high school coaches play in the development of young players. This updated diploma takes a look at the ongoing duties of the high school coach and how to better prepare them for the responsibilities given to them in that position. For more information or to register, go to unitedsoccercoaches.org education. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Corbin Bone, who will represent Louisville City FC on Saturday in the USL Championship semifinals. How about all those great coaches he's played under? And then Bobby Puppioni, who is the Girls Academy Director for a big club in Virginia, trying to make sure that young girls that want to get recognized by colleges can get recognized. And guess what, folks? We are kicking off our next edition of the 30 Under 30s. If you remember last year's class, I talked to all 15 men, all 15 women. Well, you got to have somebody start this year's class, and we're delighted that it's Alexandria Jackson. She enters her second season as Glenn College men's and women's soccer assistant coach. That's right. 
She's on the men's staff and the women's staff. She also is a powerful woman of color. She was a D1 player at Northwestern State University where she had a great career. She played in Canada a little bit. I think she even played in Germany a little bit. We'll get into that as well. And the first of 30 of the new class, Alexandria Jackson, you're number one on the podcast. How does it feel? Everything feels great. I'm excited for this opportunity to learn and grow as a coach. Well, we're so proud to have you on the 30 Under 30 class. I love your background. I love your resume. I know you're from Florence, South Carolina, the home of Zion Williamson, as well as a lot of great other athletes. And I know that uh, Blinn College also is where Cam Newton spent a little bit of time. That's awesome. And then Northwestern State is in Louisiana, the Southland Conference, right? Correct. So many great ties. But Alexander, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about growing up in Florence, when you got into soccer, and when you got the coaching bug. Oh, yeah. So how I got into soccer, around five or six, at the time, my my dad was a football coach, and I wanted to play football because I'm such a, a daddy's girl. But then he put me into the other side of football, the real football, the soccer. And ever since then, I've kind of fell in love with it and kind of grown from there. I had some great coaches that took time to develop me as a player. One is Eduardo Ansario, who recently passed away, unfortunately, from Florence, South Carolina. He he was a big part of my development. And then I also got around 15 or 16 years old, I got picked up by Columbia United FC, which is also now South Carolina United FC, which Trip Miller was a really big part of me growing and developing as a player, and he actually helped me get recruited by Northwestern State. I am so grateful to be a part of Northwestern State, the history. They've done everything to help me be successful, not only on and off the field. And there, I was under some great coaches, George Van Linder, Jimmy Mitchell as well. Jimmy Mitchell recruited me as well, and I've been grateful and blessed with opportunities to be a part of so many great coaches and be under so many great coaches. Once I graduated, I knew I still wanted to be a part of the game, so I decided to, after playing some pro in Canada and Germany, I kind of decided to go into coaching. And my first position was a graduate assistant at an NAIA school in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. I had never been to Iowa at that point and decided to take the leap. Spent five years up there, worked my way from a graduate assistant all the way up to the head coach and then decided I wanted another challenge. So I went out to Arizona to coach some club. And then I got this great opportunity at Blinn. Blinn, the coaches here, it's like a master class every day. All the coaches here have won championships after championships after championships. And then just to pair with Michael McBride, the head coach over here, and to be able to develop under a coach that has been coaching for 20 years, I kind of had to take this opportunity with both hands. And I've honestly been blessed with people who took a chance on me. I've been lucky, so hopefully we'll continue this this journey. Glenn is in Texas, somewhere between Houston and Austin, is that right? Yeah, we're about an hour and a half away from Houston and an hour and 45 minutes away from Austin. I think we're about two hours away from San Antonio, so it's a great location. Phenomenal location. All right, I want to go back to the fact that your dad was a coach, so that obviously was probably a key point. Your dad coached football. Did he play football as well? 
Yeah, he was a, a high school star out in Georgetown, South Carolina, a small city near Myrtle Beach. A lot of people know Myrtle Beach. He was a running back. He likes to think that's where I've gotten my speed from as a player. But yeah, he went into coaching when we were children. He was always involved in sports. So I think he kind of started the ideal of me be actually becoming a coach. But being around great coaches, they've given so much to me. I'd like to give back to the game the same way it's given to me. So that kind of my father helped started it, but there's been so many coaches along the way that kind of planted the seed and watered the seed to where it is today and hopefully continues to go. Well, you clearly, before getting full-time into coaching, you wanted to play a little more as you spent time in Canada and Germany as a pro. Why was that important for you to try to give it a go playing pro for a few years? Well, I just didn't know if I was ready to give it up yet. You know, soccer is a game, and it's a beautiful game, and it's fun to play. But at that point, I thought I had a little bit more to give, and I wanted to continue the lifestyle. The lifestyle of playing professional soccer is very similar to coaching college soccer, so it was a very easy transition. I just knew I wanted to continue in soccer in some way, in some form. I got to tell you, I have been interviewing these 30 under 30 superstars now for the last four or five years, and I, I enjoy it so much. And the fact that we're kicking off now your class with, with you is, is a real treat, and I love that you shared your path. I even like that you went to Iowa, put five years in there, and then you said, you know what, I want to work with a youth program. So you go to Phoenix Rising, you're the head coach of the U17, U16, U14, and U12. I like the fact that you're open to coaching all levels. Why was that important for you, Alexandria? Well, I think you can learn at all levels. I don't think there's a hierarchy as some people would like to think outside looking in. I think you can learn at different levels, and I think you could develop it as a coach at different levels. And once again, I just want to impact the sport the way the sport has impacted me. So the level doesn't necessarily matter to me. It's more about the opportunity to learn and grow as a coach and then give back to the soccer community as much as I can. More and more we are seeing women coaching men. We're seeing women, it's interesting, your dad's a football coach, we're seeing women coaching in the NFL. We're seeing women in San Antonio with the Spurs coaching in the NBA, and there's other NBA coaches that are women. We're hearing rumors that Joe Ellis might be a candidate for D.C. United. You're coaching men and women at the college level, the JUCO level. What is that like? How are the men treating you, Alexandria? Uh, I think a soccer player is just a soccer player. I think athletes are just athletes. I think once you earn the trust of an athlete, they're all the same. So there's no difference between putting on a session with the men than it is with the women. They all, once you develop that connection and that bridge of support and of trust and they understand that you want the best from them and for them, they're willing to work for you. So there is really no difference, to be honest. It's just an athlete's an athlete. Okay, so listen, last week leading off our show, we had Nikki Washington, who has become just the second woman of color to coach in the NWSL. The first was Brianna Scurry. Now Nikki Washington is there. And then we had Jill Ellis. In fact, the show was jam-packed with women. Erica Dombach was on. Rocky Rodriguez was on. But now I look at you, a woman of color, also coaching men. And, I mean, you talk about making progress. That is fantastic. 
But I also, I want to get to a point at some point, Alexandria Jackson, where we don't have to say woman of color. We don't have to say a woman coaching men, but there's still some work to be done, right? Absolutely. I I understand the process, as a matter of fact, is when people see me, sometimes some people see color. But the youth of the nation, the kids that are growing up, they don't see me as a woman of color. They just see me as a coach. So once we continue, this youth grows up and we continue to reach certain heights and certain steps, I think that will move out of the way, color, gender will move out of the way, because this group of youth, they're more open and more accepting. As long as they trust you and you get the job done, they won't see you as a person of color. They'll just see you as their coach. That is such a a great message, and I wish it was that easy. You know, right now with the climate in America, what is your message to young black women, young black men that want to be involved in the game? Keep putting yourself out there. I know it may be hard. I know you may not see the representation that you would like, but continue to put yourself out there because there's people under you that are following your footsteps. Whatever you do, whatever you're successful in, you're opening doors for people just like you. Because you spent time in Florence, South Carolina, and Louisiana, down there in the South, is there progress being made down there, Alexandria, or do we still have a ways to go? Well, I think there's been a misconception that it's just down South, like the problem is just down South. I think everywhere I've lived, there's been just a certain level of ignorance due to the demographics of possibly Iowa or Arizona. I think the problem is nationwide, is not just down south. People would like to think it's just down south, but I think it's nationwide. People need to be educated and learn more about what's going on to make an adequate decision about things. I'm glad that you mentioned education because you graduated from Northwestern State with a Bachelor of Science degree in Health and Exercise Science. Then you got a Master of Arts in Organizational Leadership from Columbia Southern University. You also hold your national diploma, advanced national diploma, and U.S. Soccer Federation C license. Now you're a member of the 30 Under 30 class, which is another great platform for education and mentorship and sharing ideas. It sounds like you've always been open to education at all levels. Oh, absolutely. My parents have been very involved in having me be educated. They've always put an emphasis on that. So it's always been education equals growth equals learning. But it's not just the degrees. It's just being around people, et cetera. I think as long as anybody's willing to educate themselves and work hard, they'll see growth. And I hope that's what people see in me. Someone that's probably not perfect, that's probably made a couple of mistakes, but I'm always looking to educate myself and grow. So, all right, help me with this, because if I'm proud of you, and I'm, like, over the moon proud of you, and I don't even know you, but I just like you. I like the time you spent before we went on the air. I like you telling your story. And you just talked about your mom and dad. When you told them you're a member of this very exclusive 30 under 30 class, what do you remember about how proud they were of you? Oh, man, it's like... I don't know how to put it into words. It's not just my parents. I have a great team behind me that supports me and my failures and my success. So it didn't hit me until I told them, you know, because it's it's been a long time coming. 
and we still have stuff to do and things to grow in. But to tell them that what we've been through in the past, et cetera, my team in general, like I said, supports me no matter what. That's when everything hit for me, to be honest, that this is a great opportunity. I think I was in shock a bit. So just to tell my team what happened, what I got approved for, they were over the moon, and it kind of made everything real for me. I love that coming from your heart. Final question, and it's just going to be a fill in the blank, because we're here with Alexandria Jackson, who is now entering her second season as Glenn College men's and women's soccer assistant coach. As we said already, hopefully we'll get to a day where we don't have to mention that she's also a woman of color because she's just a powerful woman who can coach and is now a member of a 30 under 30 team. And that leads me to the final question. I look forward to this whole year as a United Soccer Coaches 30 under 30 member because I want to do what? What do you want to do with this membership? I just would like to grow the game for the generation under me. And I hope that they see me and they think, if she can do it, I can do it too. And that's kind of honestly what I want to do with that opportunity to grow and develop as a coach and then help the generation under me open themselves up to more opportunities like this. Folks, Google her. Alexandria Jackson. She'll pop up not just as a women's soccer assistant, but the men's soccer assistant at Glenn College, a great JUCO program, as she said, they win a lot of titles as well. The Buccaneers, Alexandria Jackson. Well done, you. Keep it going. I'll tell you what, another 30 great years ahead of you. I'm sure of it. All right. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Are you kidding me? How cool is Alexandria Jackson? I just called her out of the blue and said, hey, let's get going on this 30 under 30. And she says, all right, let's do it right now. She is cool. And how about her answers? Genuine and real? Ha! Ah, I can't wait to meet her sometime. Alexandria Jackson, Blinn College men's and women's soccer assistant. Well, it's not every day you go from there to an United Soccer Coaches Honor Award winner, but we're going to do that. Janet Rayfield became the first female to be named an Honor Award winner with United Soccer Coaches several years ago. The longtime coach at Illinois the first recruit for Anson Dorrance. She spent time at Arkansas. She is a legend of the game. Janet Rayfield is joined by Vanessa DiBernardo. Her dad was a huge star for the Godfather at Indiana. She chose Illinois. She now plays for the Chicago Red Stars. She has been in the national team player pool as well. She's part of our Big Ten in 10 as I'm joined by former Illinois midfielder Jackie Santa Catarina Manny as well. More big-time women to wrap up the show. It's Big Ten and Ten with Illinois Women's Soccer after this message. College coaches, make sure your program is registered for the 2020-21 College Services Program. While the 2020-21 season looks much different than any of us anticipated, we are committed to providing benefits for College Services members year-round. The College Services Program supports and promotes the college game, including rankings and awards for participating programs, regardless of when your season is played. For more information or to register your program, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org college. 
Welcome to Big Ten in 10, Big Ten Women's Soccer in 10 Minutes, where we visit with every coach from all 14 teams and a distinguished alumni. Today, we're talking Illinois women's soccer, and what a treat. My broadcast partner, Jackie, Santa, Katarina, Manny, one of the all-time greats for Illinois, Vanessa DiBernardo, and then one of the legends of the game, the first female to be inducted in the United Soccer Coaches Honor Award, the great Janet Rayfield, now in her ninth. Season. Welcome to all three of you. Great to be with you. Thanks, Dean. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Jackie, for for being here. And uh, Vanessa, same thing. I, this this couldn't be more pleasing for me to have these these two on. And Dean, you've been a, a legend in the broadcast. So this is just a pleasure for me. Well, we're honored to hear that from you, Janet. And you've got a lot more in your tank as you get going. And obviously, it's a difficult time right now. But just talk about what's coming because you got a new stadium coming. Exciting times for Illinois women's soccer. Yeah, you know, in spite of everything, I don't think I could be more energized about, you know, what the future of Illinois soccer is is looking like. Um, you know, we've got a great stadium. We go out train every day and see the construction and, and the surface just just amazing and a scoreboard. That, so it's, it's just an exciting time. Recruiting's going really well for us. I think people have, have bought into what's happening here at Illinois, not just with soccer, but just with the athletic department um, all around. You know, I walk down and new track going in and baseball. It's just a really exciting time for for Illinois soccer. And I know Jackie and Vanessa are going to come back and be so proud of, of where their program is going and where it's gone. You know, I I can't run into or talk to anybody without people putting a smile on their face when you mentioned the name Janet Rayfield. Um, you just have so much integrity um, in your reputation and you're just a really awesome human being. I can't say enough good things about you, but I know each year you kind of have a different mantra um, or slogan that you get the group to really buy into. Um, but have you kind of had a consistent theme throughout your whole tenure there that um, you've really tried to push year after year? Yeah. You know, I think anybody who graduated probably knows honesty, integrity, excellence is going to come out of my mouth at least 100 times a year. Um, and that's that's really kind of the core foundational values that we've had. And, and that's where we start. But I think the other part of that is to really give each team the freedom to have an identity of their own. Um, and so, you know, every team talks about outside of that, what's their core values and who are they going to be. And in some years, discipline takes a little bit stronger vibe. And sometimes it's competitiveness. And I I think this year, you know, we talked about our, our DNA a little bit and we talked about being invested and united. I, I think a lot of that has to do with just the things that are going on. And if we're going to get through this, it really has to be together. And, and that's been a real strong push. Just the, un, the unity and the, and the gratitude have been two really big things because it's a little bit different year than it has been. But the honesty, integrity, excellence, I mean, that's, that's who I am. And, and, and that's going to stay with my program forever. Vanessa, I feel so blessed in my role as a play-by-play -play guy because BTN launches, and then I see Jackie Santa Katarina just blustering all the midfields, blowing them off. She was tenacious. And then a few years later, you come in, and I've never seen anybody so creative on the ball, and it reminded me of your dad's days at Indiana. Talk about why you decided to bring your flair and creativity to Illinois. Yeah, I think when you start looking at schools, you're young. And um, when I came to Illinois on a visit, I just felt so comfortable there. I think um, it just felt it felt right for me. And my dad played at Indiana. So obviously, there was a little um, thought to go there just because my dad went there and had such a career there. But um, Illinois just was the right fit for me. And it just felt right when I was there. And um, I had a great experience there, so I was very happy um, going to Illinois. 
Um, Vanessa, can you talk about the jump between college and then going into the professional level and what that's been like? Yeah, it's it's definitely a different level, um, but I think at Illinois, just the competitiveness and the honesty and integrity and all the discipline there, I think really prepared me for that jump. Um, I think just allowing to push yourself in that environment, in the college environment, and then it's just another level when you get to the professional um, level. But I think the preparation that Illinois gave me um, really allowed the transition to be kind of smooth. <laughs> yeah, and I want to ask you about her transition. You heard me talk about her creativity and flair. She was next level with that. She has brought that to the next level as a pro. The, the true test of a great player, I think, is how, how they make the players around them great. And, you know, I think when you jump to the pro level, and she did that here at Illinois, no doubt about that. But I think when you jump to the pro level and you're surrounded players like Sam Kerr and Nagasaki, I mean, and, you know, playing next to, I mean, someone with Vanessa's flair and creativity, and then you put those players around her, it just allows that creativity to be even that much more special because now you've got players that are on that same level and are reading you and can, um, you know, you can play a ball into them that, that they can deal with. It doesn't even have to be perfect sometimes times because there you know but I mean I can't even imagine what um what thoughts go through your mind when you're playing you know you're thinking about playing balls into Sam Kerr or you know you're playing with Julie Ertz and you know so I, I think the pro level has just allowed that creativity to blossom even further and that's what's so fun about it uh, in my opinion when you take Vanessa off the field the Red Stars aren't as good and to me it's because not because just she's missing but because her ability to make others better is missing Janet, let's go back to kind of current team. Um, in terms of future seasons, what um, what are the focuses? What do you need to build upon? What needs to improve? Yeah, you know, I, I think we've got to get more consistent. I think you look at um, our last season, then we had a great non-conference season. Um, you know, we beat Duke, we did, you know, some of those sorts of things. And then, um, you know, and, and then we come and we beat Pepperdine the next year. But we haven't been able to sustain that over over a full season. And I think that's going to be really important for us. And, and a lot of that has to do with goal scoring, I think. Um, you know, the later you get in the season, the more teams get to scout you. Um, and I think we've got some real young players coming in, I think, McKenna Silver's coming into her own, um, you know, the what she did over quarantine time to get herself ready and how she's training right now is phenomenal. So, you know, I'm really excited about what, what that holds. Um, and I think we're deeper than we've been, and that will help with our consistency as you go through a, a college season. Vanessa, seeing Jackie and then hearing Janet talk about the current team, kind of going back to my first question, it's got to take you down memory lane. Can you pick out your best moment playing for the Illini? It's tough, um, but I think I have one distinct. I mean, winning the Big Ten tournament when we were playing at Northwestern um, was just a special, I think, environment. And I think just because we were at Northwestern, we have a lot of, we had a lot of players at the time from the Chicagoland area. It, it just felt like a home game for us. And um, we played Penn State in the final. So just a rival, rivalry there. But um, that just memory, I think, stands out. <laughs> it's hard not to. <laughs> And you have to you have to kind of relive the end of that game, Dean. So we're up one nothing, and Penn State scores after Vanessa gets tackled in our penalty box, and she's still on the ground. 
and they don't stop play, and so they go down, and Vanessa's still kind of writhing in the penalty box with the ankle thing, and so they score and tie it up. So then Vanessa's out, and we're in overtime, and I'm like, can you go, can you not? And I'm like, look, I'm just going to put you up front so you don't get in the mix of things. Just find an opportunity to put a ball on frame, and we put her back in the game, and she's kind of half limping and whatnot, but that exactly happens. Somebody gets her a ball near the top of the box, and, and she buries one to win the game. So it it, it, it has special moments um, for more than just because we won a championship for, to me, but it, it is one of my favorite Vanessa moments even, because I remember looking at her and going, you can do this. Just get up front and, and do your thing. So special moment for me too, V. <laughs> Uh, Dana, last one for me. Um, kind of from when you started coaching to now, how have you seen the Big Ten evolve in terms of players, um, the product on the field, just the level in general? Yeah, I, I think what's really changed the most is the depth of the conference and the quality of teams, players, coaches from top to bottom. You know, I, I think if you look around the country, there's a, a lot of good conferences that their top five teams are good. And then, you know, there's kind of some results that you kind of know are going to happen throughout the year. Um, I think there is no given Big Ten game and Big Ten outcome. It doesn't matter. You know, and again, you know, Penn State's had their success and, you know, it doesn't matter who's playing who. I think on any given day, the quality of competition is such that it's a it's a toss up. It's an unknown game. And, and years ago, I don't think that was the case. You had the, the games. OK, now we got to get ready for, for this game and it's going to be a little more competitive. But the, the consistency across the conference and I think that's the investment by all of the programs. Um, and especially, I think, in, in just the investment in coaching and supporting those coaches in a way that allows them to put a good product on the field finally vanessa as we wrap it up as the voice of the north carolina courage i still get to see you work your magic promise me that you're going to keep playing forever and ever because i love saying your name <laughs> i'll give you a few more years but i can't promise forever <laughs> you are magical indeed janet rayfield one of the legends of the game vanessa de bernardo illinois women's soccer big 10 and 10 thank you so much for being with us Always great to spend time with the United Soccer Coaches Honor Award winner like Janet Rayfield. want to thank her, Vanessa, Jackie, and all of our great guests, as well as Sean Chevro and Michael Knipper of United Soccer Coaches. For each and every member of United Soccer Coaches, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.